0: Welcome to my 2020 Cleveland Browns season preview. Now, I know that you can easily pay $8.50 or otherwise go down the dial and you can get the opinion of a closeted Steelers fan, a Broncos fan, a closeted Cowboys fan, uh, several New Yorkers a former New England Patriot, uh, a guy who wanted to be on the Browns but got cut, and several other idiotic know-it-alls from out of town. And surely they have talking points and agendas and all manner of wondrous things that they will gladly charge you $8.50 to hear. Well, you're not going to get any of that here. I'm going to come straight out and tell you that just as I normally do, I'm going to be completely unscripted. The only things, the only notes I have, and this is honestly because I know, I I do not know these things off the top of my head yet, are this year's depth chart and this year's schedule. And I'm going to go through them and comment on them. Now, if you want to sit here and argue stats and you want to throw graphs at me or you want to dig up somebody's talking points, be it some idiot who really loves the Steelers but covers the Browns or, you know, somebody else. Well, again, you're in the wrong place. But if you want to hear me talk about the Browns for a while, stick around. That's all this episode's going to be. I'll tell you up front, I'm not going to talk about the political side of it, none of the social justice crap. I don't want to hear any of that uh, come out of my own mouth, let alone do I expect you to want to hear me talk about those things today. So nothing but Browns football and simply off the top of my head. Okay, let's get started now. The Browns didn't have the greatest of years last year. They could have. They should have in many ways. But we had a brand-new coach who was trying to experiment with this and that and the other thing, and he allowed his own bravado to get the best of him, and he made really poor decisions that a great deal – of us here at home, including myself, we're going, why, why is he doing that again? What? What's he doing that for? Why did he do that? Why did you do this on that play? And I understand that anybody can second guess the coach, but really and truly, I think that the Brown season would have gone notably different last year if our coach had been experienced enough to not be experimenting and following his own bravado and simply coach the game that was in front of him in a a sensible way. Why, Skippy, what could you possibly mean by that? Here's an example. Here's just one example. There were games where the Browns for the first half would be running down the other team's throat. They were unable to stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Then halftime comes, and all of a sudden, oh, jeez, you mean I have two top ten runners? Man, I didn't know that. What happened? You mean... I've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Those are some pretty good players. Why didn't I use them? That was that was several times last season. Then you know we had we had wide receivers like Odell Beckham Jr. that they were you know playing hurt. They would be given really stupid plays when they were actually on the field, and then. They would have they would have Odell Beckham Jr. run decoy for something else, and it was abundantly clear he would be wide open calling for the ball a few times there, and and they would have him throwing they would have Baker thrown to somebody completely different. And that's that's just you know a couple of things off the top of my head from last year where coaching made the difference. Now, it is a fair question to ask, well, how do we know that Kevin Stefanski is going to be different? And on the surface, it is a fair suggestion to say that we don't. But, but, here's what we do know. Now, he's going to be calling the plays offensively, at least for the first week. And, he came from the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Case Keenum, who will be the backup uh, for this first game against the Ravens, the backup quarterback, he was was a dynamo at times under Kevin Stefanski. And by that, I'm not saying he changed the world. He revolutionized the position or anything. What I'm saying is, is that I paid Case Keenum absolutely no mind until he was under Kevin Stefanski. And then, this is absolutely true, I had Case Keenum on three different fantasy teams at once uh, as my starter and won all three games because of Case Keenum. As much of a as much of a backup as he ought to be, he was made into star quality at times by Kevin Stefanski. And I would also say that there there are other players uh, amongst the Vikings that have been given credit for being top drawer, top of the line. Uh, some some have said even better than Chubb and. Kareem hunt which I've got to say you've you're out of your freaking mind but there were other Vikings that were were put ahead of uh, of Brown's players and I just go are you are you cracked is something wrong with your head it was Stefansky I truly believe that and we're about to find out if that's the case or not. I think Baker Mayfield is going to have an infinitely better year than he had last year. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. is now healthy. Uh, Njoku is now healthy, and he's what? I'm going to actually have to consult the depth chart to see how far down the depth chart he is. He was, you know, kind of... He was supposed to be the, the, the star tight end, wasn't he? I mean, that was kind of the intention... And in all fairness, he hasn't been, and he probably won't be this year either. And that's because we went out, we got Austin Hooper, and we brought in Harrison Bryant, and Harrison Bryant ended up being the star rookie for training camp this year. Uh, So just the tight end position got better. Uh, with, With having our wide receivers healthy, That's tremendous news. That is tremendous news. And the offensive line is better. Now, J.C. Treader came back to the fold earlier this week, but I am seeing on this depth chart, which maybe they just haven't updated it, shows that he is still injured. So we're going to have the rookie, I believe his name is Nick Harris. Again, this is off the top of my head. I I haven't I'm not even looking at the depth chart yet. But other than other than that, we've really improved on the offensive line. I will get I will get to that. As far as the defense goes, uh, the places that we made changes from last year We've made dramatic improvement. Now, granted, Greedy Williams uh, is out, and Mac Williams is currently out. Now, obviously, they neither one is out for the full season or anything. They could return, who knows how fast? Uh, I I honestly have not looked at at their injury status, but as far as I know, they were still injured and awaiting their return. But the rest of the defense, which I will look at, uh, has has really been improved. And of course, it is going to be helpful to have back Miles Garrett. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, Mr. Grossi, and uh, several other Steeler fans that I suspect Will probably listen to this to try to poke holes in it and uh, try to find something to throw at me. Miles Garrett was telling the truth. I don't. I don't care how you want to slice it. I 100% believe that Miles Garrett's assessment of what happened with Mason, Ru- uh, Mason Rudolph, Mason Randolph. Who cares? He's a jabroni. The quarterback from the Steelers, the backup quarterback, who was pathetic, by the way, uh, I totally believe that Mason dropped the N-word on Miles Garrett. In every training camp that I've attended where Miles Garrett was involved, he was calm, cool, and collected. He was well-behaved. He was... A gentle, friendly guy who, you know, was very kind to fans. He was very supportive of his teammates. I never once doubted that he was a kind fella. Now, I understand on the on the in the heat of the moment on a football field that might change. And that's where I suspect that part of it was. When you have somebody grab your helmet and try to yank it off your head with it still attached to your head, and then somebody kicks you in the groin a couple of times and calls you the N-word, I suppose you're probably going to be pretty upset. Do I fully condone everything that Miles Garrett did? No, but I totally understand it. And I believe 100% that the N-word was used. And there's only one way that you are ever going to prove any different. And that is if Roger Goodell quits pretending that the microphones weren't there and didn't work and start playing the audio. Period. Miles Garrett's going to come back with a huge chip on his shoulder. He is going to be ready to finish off What he started. And I don't mean ripping Mason's head off, although he should probably be able to do that too, in all fairness. But he was on his way to a Pro Bowl season. He was on his way to leading the Browns to the playoffs. He was on his way to doing something spectacular here, and it was derailed by somebody dropping the N word. Do I necessarily believe that Mason is a horrible racist? There's a part of me that wants to be fair and say, no, of course not. But because I know that you're listening, Tony Grossi, because someone's surely going to point this out to you. Yes, Mason is a racist, a horrible racist, a horrible human being, and he should be evaporated from the face of the earth. Love me. Okay. So let's look at the depth chart, shall we? Because I think uh, that's where you're going to want to start when you talk about this, is is you really want to break down some of the things that the Browns have going for them, that Tony Grossy doesn't want you to know about. He doesn't want you to think about. He just wants you to see six and ten and be depressed and have no hope. So let's have a look, shall we? Now, of course, at quarterback, you have Baker Mayfield and his backup Case Keenum. Now, again, I I will reiterate, I was not thrilled with Baker Mayfield being drafted because I wanted Josh Allen. And I wasn't wrong. Josh Allen's performed admirably for the Buffalo Bills. But all things considered, Baker Mayfield has been an, a, a really tremendous quarterback. Now, last year he fell off, but again, I insist the majority of that had to do with coaching and with the injuries and problems around him. I don't suspect that it's going to be the case this year. I think he's going to have a much better year, a dramatically improved year, and Colin Cowturd and and Tony Grossi are probably going to be uh, committing Harry Carey together, holding hands, staring gently into one another's eyes, uh, listening to Barbra Streisand records. Now, Case Keenum, should anything happen to Baker Mayfield? Should the Steelers decide that they're going to target Baker and harm him? Or should the Ravens, in their infinite wisdom in this first game, decide to do something and harm him? There's still Case Keenum. Case Keenum, you know, as I say, performed really, really well under Kevin Stefanski and ultimately became a fantasy starter for me. And I think if you add him to this offense, he's got a fair shot of really being impressive. So I'm not very worried about the quarterback position. Whoever ends up being the emergency and so forth, I think right now that's scenery. So let's move on to running back. It looks like Nick Chubb is fully recovered from his run-in with Mac Wilson, as unfortunate as it was, and he and Kareem Hunt are ready to be a a two-headed monster back there. And they are also backed up by Darnis uh, Johnson. Now Darnis Johnson shocked me and a lot of other people, and really impressed. And I think he has a very good chance of getting some decent touches and decent yardage when the other two lay out for a series or two. Of course, the fullback position uh, has been the same fella for a, a few years now, and he's he's a very good good guy. I I don't want to butcher your name, sir. So I won't. I think it's Genovich. I believe. But, um, you know, he's never been a problem for me. I've never had an argument with him. Although there have been fullbacks in the past that I threw pens and pencils at the TV in anger. So he has not angered me in any way. I believe Andy Janovic, right? I think so. Now uh, we go to the wide receivers, and the wide receiver core is so good. How Tony Grossi cannot see this uh, is beyond me. So you, I mean, another closeted Steelers thing to, uh, you know, to put on the table here. I mean, you've got Odell Beckham Jr., top five wide receivers in the league. Just, you know, he's a top top five wide receiver. No argument there. Uh, Jarvis Landry has yet to miss a game has yet to miss a game in his entire career, and he tends to be a ball magnet. He tends to get nice, long runs off of receptions for a whole ton of yards. And I believe that he has the ability, I want to say it's receptions. He has the ability to set a new NFL record this year if he gets, what is it, 80 receptions? I read I read something like that. Now, again, I don't have that note in front of me. But Jarvis Landry has never been anything but top-notch for us. And I'm not going to doubt that he's going to have another incredible year. Hollywood Higgins is back. Some of you thought that he was dead and buried because Freddie Kitchens tried to bury him. But he is definitely back. JoJo Natson is uh, is on that squad, as well as uh, Kaderil Hodge and rookie Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, my dear friend Mark Munch-Bishop has been incredibly hard on Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I believe that part of it, uh, I would... I would actually posit that it is the lion's share of the problem, is that he played for that team up north. But Mark Munchbishop believes that he lacks heart. Now, maybe he does, but I have not yet seen or heard it so far from anyone who's been on the field for training camp or, or you know, I've not heard it from any of the other players or any of my other spies in Berea. So I have no reason to believe that he is lacking in heart. He played for an unfortunate college team, and for that, you know, there is that modicum of ridicule that will be due to him, but he's a Browns player now. And I'm going to... Truly back him and hope that he is a much, much better player than Munch and I suspect. Now there's the tight end position. I've already said Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant. That is the best uh, tight end combo, I, I truly believe, in quite a while. And you still have Njoku in third and Steven Carlson in fourth. We had a surplus at the tight end position this year. Uh, they were kind of arguing over who would get third, who would get fourth, and if they would even bring on a fifth for some crazy reason. But ultimately, they only brought in four. And Joku, the chief, you know, goes from being the star tight end, or we hope he was going to be, to now he's third. And I think that's a dramatic improvement. Austin Hooper is another one that I had several times on fantasy teams when he was a part of the Falcons, and I wouldn't have given you a plug nickel for the Falcons ever. So, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it, Kevin I I never really thought all that much of the Falcons, but I always liked Austin Hooper, and here we have him now. Now the offensive line. We have our best left tackle since Joe Thomas and Jedrick Wills. And uh, he's got a backup that I've never heard of so I'm not going to comment on Kendall Lamb. I I honestly know nothing about him, but Jedrick Wills uh is going to is going to have his work cut out for him against the Ravens, but we will quickly find out what kind of cat he is. And I am putting my faith in him to protect Baker, and I think that we have no reason to do anything less. Uh, Joel Betonio, solid. And I hope that he stays with the Browns for the rest of his career, because he has been nothing but solid. Uh, he's probably probably the uh, the seasoned veteran out of this group, and... Certainly has to be respected amongst his peers there on that offensive line. Uh, J.C. Treder, <clears throat> we hope to get him back. And it's, yes, it's Nick Harris that's going to be the center most likely on Sunday, which is fine. He's a rookie, but that's fine. He's got to hike the ball and protect the quarterback. I would hope that, you know, being a center, we draft him to be a center I would assume that it's not going to be that much different. It's just going to be that he's going to have the Ravens barreling down on him as opposed to his college opponents. So I'm not saying that it's going to be the greatest thing ever, but I'm not worried about the center position. Then there's uh, the right tackle. We got so much better with Jack Conklin. Yes, we have Chris Hubbard waiting in the wings, but we got so much better with... With Jack Conklin. And, oh, that's right tackle. That's right tackle I'm thinking of. Uh, it's the right guard. Uh, Wyatt Teller is, you know, I, I don't have a lot of memory of watching him play. But it's it's the right guard position. I would hope that being surrounded by the talent that he's going to be surrounded by I think that he's he's going to have a, a nice year. I don't suspect that that anybody on that offensive line is going to want to see Baker turned into a pancake, which uh, I've got to say that there were years where we had a quarterback with potential, and that's exactly what happened. We were dealing with cardboard stand-ups who couldn't stop a head cold with a box of Kleenex. So we have to hope that that this offensive line is going to really hold up. And we have no reason to doubt it just yet, so why should we? Now let's look at the defense. And defensive ends. Miles Garrett on one end. Oliver Vernon on the other. Which one, Tony Grossi? Which one, Tony Grossi, is going to be the one that's not good enough? Are you saying that Miles Garrett is a problem, you dipstick? Probably. He's been hard on Miles Garrett, and I think it is because, oh, you hurt his his racist backup quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the tackles, Sheldon Richardson and uh, Ogan Joby. Now Ogan Joby when he was drafted I I really, you know, I really did not do handsprings because I'd never heard of him. But he's been great. And Sheldon Richardson, I didn't have a lot of expectations, but he's been he's been uh, solid so far. We have no reason to doubt that. Mack Wilson and uh, leads the linebacker core, and we've lost him for a little bit, but he'll be back. Uh, The rookie is going to be Jacob Phillips, and we have to hope that uh, Jacob Phillips has been well-prepared because he's going to need it. It's going to be a very, very busy time for him on Sunday. Uh, B.J. Goodson is a veteran. And we're fortunate to have him. Um, Sione Takitaki is uh, is your Sam linebacker, and he's backed up by Malcolm Smith. I'm not too worried about the Sam linebacker. I, call me crazy. I think that our linebacker core is much better than they are given credit for. Now let's talk about the secondaries. We have heard how we need to be so concerned, so concerned about our secondary that it's not going to be good enough. Oh, is it not going to be good enough? Okay, let's see. Denzel Ward, best cornerback this team has had since the days of of Dixon and Minifield. There's your line in the sand. I've heard about the one that the Steelers snagged away. I know all about the one that used to be here. And I'm telling you Denzel Ward makes Joe Hayden look pathetic. As long as Denzel Ward stays healthy, nothing to worry about. His his current backups on the depth chart, both of them are injured. So that's, that's going to be a concern. I don't know if either one has come back, but according to this one, that's not the case. The other cornerback, Greedy Williams. Now, I don't know if he's come back. I don't believe so. So that leaves us with Terrence Mitchell. I'm not the least bit worried about Terrence Mitchell being our cornerback. I think he's, he's going to do a fine job, and I'm not worried about it. And, uh... His backup is Tavier Thomas, so I'm not, I'm not uh, you know I'm not exactly panicking over that that secondary already, and then we go to the strong safeties. This may be one of the strongest positions, as far as I'm concerned, uh, on the Browns defense. Carl Joseph already good enough. Already good enough as strong safety. And then they went out and acquired Ronnie Harrison. Third round pick from Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, in 2018. He was second on the Jaguars in tackles. Second. Uh, he's got a nose for the runner. He's got a nose for... For the ball, I don't have a problem with that kind of backup. That is that is amazing. That that might be the best safety combo. uh, You know, strong safety uh, starter and backup that we've had. Well, yeah, since Felix Wright, since the days of Felix Wright, and then you know on the uh, the free safeties. Sindeho and Red Red Wine, you make me feel so fine. You keep me rocking all the time. I wanted to play that song and I'm not allowed. So, there you are. I hear UB40's Red Red Wine every time he makes a play. Every time. And I'm not really worried about that position either. I'm really not. So, I don't understand where they think that we did not get better on defense because in my estimation, we totally did. We totally did. Especially secondary when you've got Ronnie Harrison as a second stringer, as a second stringer, not even the starter. That's, that's amazing. And uh, to have, to have cornerbacks be so good that Terrence Mitchell is coming off the bench. That's, that's a great thing. And the special teams. Now, the special teams for the, for the Browns, you don't get any better than Austin and Jamie and Charlie. That special teams unit worked together a lot during the offseason, and they really didn't need it. They were all Pro Bowl quality last year. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, I mean, I'm sure that there'll be some stat junkie, well, you know, and then... then, then, then. Listen, best punter we've had, I would say, since uh, Bernie's era. And the kicker position has been a carousel. And I could go through the list. You think quarterback is bad. We've gone through quarterbacks. Quite a few kickers. Trying to find one who can put it through the operates. I'm not too worried about that combo. And Charlie has been the long snapper for how long? He's just so good. If I'm not mistaken, he's a pro bowler too. So the special teams unit is is looking great. Uh, Your returners... You got Peoples Jones, you got Dernis Johnson, both of them I, I'm, you know, I'm very confident in, but ultimately the starter for kicking uh, kick return, punt return is Jojo Natson and Jojo Natson by himself ought to, ought to improve our returns. Uh, I would compare I would compare Nat Natson probably to he's probably the the closest we've had to Cribs since Cribs left. And uh, you know that's nothing to sneeze at. But ultimately that there's your there's your twenty twenty Browns roster, your your depth chart. And yes, the injuries hurt, but all of those injured players will be back, whether you like it or not, Tony. And yeah, we have some rookies that are going to have to start against the Ravens. And that's probably going to be a rough outing for them, a tough sled, especially with the lack of preseason. We have to trust that these guys did some proper preparing even though they had to wait to meet and everything and they had to simulate certain things and they didn't get the preseason games in that they wanted to get in. We have no reason to to doubt all of these people. (sighs) But uh, we have hope, Browns fans, we really do. That offense is markedly better on paper at the very least. And I say with Stefanski, we're not dealing with a quarterback coach who's trying to not only be a, a coordinator but a head coach. He's Stefanski's already been a successful offensive coordinator. And he's going to have to trust the defense and the special teams to do their thing so he can focus on being the offensive coordinator. So perhaps he needs to pass that along to Alex Van Pelt uh, sooner rather than later. But if he's going to be calling the plays, considering what the Vikings did with what they had, I see no reason for the, for the Browns' offense to not be better. And with the improvements made on the defense, I see no reason to not expect them to be better. So let's have a look and see what that means for the schedule. Now, of course, this Sunday we have the Ravens, and it's going to be an away game. And yes, we have injured players, and yes, we have rookies starting. And it's an away game against the Ravens. It's going to be a tough sled. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to be overly optimistic about it. But of course, since I hate the Ravens, the soulless Baltimore Ravens that should not exist, that are odious to my nose, I'm going to tell you that while. My head is screaming, we have no chance in hell. My heart is saying, yes, we sure do. Now, we know that the stadium is going to be empty. So that loud nastiness that we're used to when when the Browns go to Baltimore, that's not going to exist. They're going to have to simulate that And we've seen how poorly that's been done with Major League Baseball. So I'm not quite concerned with the crowd being a factor. So it's going to be all about the game on the field. I am hoping that Kevin Stefanski and the Browns have prepared properly for that. I think it's probably going to be a, a close game, and I want to believe that the Browns are going to win it. If you're if you're wanting me to immediately count it as a loss and throw up my hands, sorry. Can't won't do it. And this is me openly saying that's a bias. An absolute bias. Uh week two against the Bengals. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? Yeah, I know that they got they got Mr. Rookie quarterback that everybody was ooing and awing over. And I know. Tony Grossi, that you were wishing that Baker Mayfield had been traded or preferably you would have wanted him just simply cut and you wanted them to go out and get Joe Burrow because you're hoping that Joe Burrow would want to do interviews with you. Well, he doesn't, Tony, and now he's a Cincinnati Bengal. I'm not worried about the Bengals very much. Yeah, they've got AJ Green. Yeah, they've got you know some decent players, but I'm not too worried about the Bengals. I think that the Browns win that. Washington. Let me let me say this just once. Hail hail to the Redskins. You're welcome Colonel Watson, watching from heaven. They changed their name all they want. But they have been exposed as being a horrible team year in and year out. And I have no reason to believe that that has changed. So there we are. I don't believe that the Redskins are going to beat the Browns. So let's assume that the Ravens do beat beat the Browns on Sunday. I'm suspecting 2-1 and one right there. The Cowboys... I don't have a a lot of uh, a lot of worry about the Cowboys now. <clears throat> naturally, there are reasons to worry, but they aren't the powerhouse they used to be. That is not Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, uh, Moose Johnston, and Michael Irvin on the other sideline. It's, it's not. I mean, yes, they've got Ezekiel Elliott and they've got some nice things over there, but I'm not all that worried. And again, unless they're allowed to have fans in the stands, that's not going to mean too much to me. Not nearly as much as baseball, because in a, on a silent field, a silent field is a silent football field. It helps to think of it certainly helps to think of of having the home field advantage but when there are no fans in the stands because your government thinks they know better than you I'm not quite as worried as I was about basketball or baseball The Colts And you can quote me on that by the way, shout out to Indianapolis. Good on you uh, with your little buddy there who retired last season. Good on you. I mean, you did virtually nothing uh, of note as far as I'm concerned to replace him. I don't know how you sus- uh, expect the, the Colts to do a darn thing this season. If they do, I'll be shocked. So I suspect that's going to be a win. That's four, four, uh, 4 and one right there. The Steelers, screw you, Grossi, five and one. Bengals again, screw you, Grossi, six and one. The Raiders. <coughs> uh, the Raiders have the potential to uh, to do something in their division. Am I worried about them? No. No, I'm not. Seven and one. Is this getting annoying, Tony Grossi? You called us a six and ten team, Tony. So I'm kind of returning the favor right now. The Texans. Alright, let's be fair. Let's be fair. The Texans are probably going to to give us a real game, and they can probably beat us. So let's let's just pretend. For the sake of argument, that the Browns lose that one, so we'll call that seven and two. The Eagles is if Carson is under center, the Eagles we have a problem because I wanted I wanted the Browns to pick up Carson in that draft and in one ear and out the other, but. If Carson Wentz is an under center, who knows? Well, let's say that for the sake of argument, that Carson Wentz is under center for the Eagles. All right, fine. Seven and three. Is your blood boiling yet, Tony Grossi? Jaguars. (laughs) Uh, Eight and three. Titans. (laughs) (laughs) 9-3. and Ravens again. By this time, Tony, you don't get the benefit of claiming, oh look, everybody's injured. Oh look, everybody's an unseasoned rookie. By that time, who knows? We may have made a trade to get even better. And because I know it makes you blood boil, Tony... Giants, let's be let's be honest. The Giants, other than Saquon Barkley, whom I admit I wanted over Nick Chubb, and whom I admit has been running his legs off. Other than Saquon Barkley, I'm not worried about the Giants. Eleven and three. Come on, come on, Tony. Come on, cow Come on, let's see you cry. The Jets <laughs> oh, oh Oh just just say the New York Jets <laughs> Who New York Jets aren't worth a hoot. They really aren't. Twelve and three. And then there's your Steelers. Oh, Tony. Are you going to be sad that day or what? The Browns are going to finish thirteen 13-3 when they turn your Steelers into creamed corn. Are you going to sob into your terrible towel at home, Tony Grossi? Are you going to be bitter? I hope so. Because Tony... That means the Browns have won the division and they're probably going to have a first-round bye if that thing exists this year, and I honestly don't know for sure. The Browns are going to go to the playoffs, Tony, where anything can happen. Yeah, knowing knowing our luck here in Cleveland, it's going to turn out as it did In years past, when we finally do make the playoffs and then choke on our own phlegm, but maybe not. I'm not threatened by this schedule, Tony Grossi, and I'm not unimpressed with our offense like you are, and I am not upset with the defense like you claim to be. I think we're going to be an infinitely better team with a whole lot of players with chips on their shoulders ready to show you something. And in my Browns fan honk prediction and this is being generous in saying that they'll lose three games we're still going to go 13-3, and Tony Grossi. Now maybe... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that maybe I haven't looked at the other rosters and ood and odd over worthless USC players and pathetic Alabama players who played against absolutely nobody. Maybe I'm not drooling a puddle over some LSU cat that just got drafted into the league or something. Maybe I'm not sitting here picking my nose and eating it over some amazing uh, player from the SEC somewhere that that we're just going to have to face, that you're going to tell me is, oh, so much better than this guy or that. Maybe there has been some free agent acquisition or trade in the offseason that I've missed that I'm supposed to care about, but I don't. This is, again, just off the top of my head. I have no stats. I have no figures. I have no talking points. I haven't sat around studying our third and fourth string. I'm looking at the starters, and I'm looking at the backups primarily. And I don't have a lot of a lot of qualms about suggesting that this team is way better than six and ten. Now, let's be fair and we're going to meet halfway. Tony Grossi says 6 and 10 and I say 13 and 3. I think a realistic expectation is 10 and 6. I think it's a realistic expectation. 13-3 and 3 is me being completely honk. It is me saying, screw you, we're going to beat the Bengals twice. We're going to beat the Steelers twice. We're going to beat both New York teams. We're going to handle Washington and Dallas. We're going to handle Jaguars. We're going to handle all these cats. But I think... 10 and 6 is by far the most realistic I can say. Because of people like you, Tony Grossi, 6 and 10. 6 and 10. I have have reasons to doubt you more than I do Kevin Stefanski. I have more reason to doubt the abilities of Joe Burrow than I do... Miles Garrett, I have less reason to doubt Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant than I do the mishmash that you're going to throw together in Pittsburgh, Tony then you're going to throw together in cincinnati then that is going to be thrown together in on most of these teams that we're playing against so really the decision is up to you do you want to believe 6 and 10 your business your choice or do you want to just come with me and say screw you 13 and 3 or do you want to say let's meet in the middle, ten and six? We're still going to win the division, I think. Might be a tight squeeze. It might require us to beat the Steelers in in that final game to get that ten and six and to win the division. Because as much as I laugh and poo-poo them, I I don't suppose they're going to be too terrible. But I'm not all that worried about them. But I really, truly believe that the Browns are going to go to the playoffs this year. And anything and everything can happen. Either it can be a, an amazing season, as as Tony, Tony Rizzo once said, the season of dreams. Or it can be yet another season of nightmares. And this can continue to be the, the factory of sadness as Mike Polk put it. We will see. But I have a lot more faith in our players than you do, Tony. Maybe it's because I'm not being paid. Maybe. Maybe it's because I'm actually a Browns fan. Maybe. Or maybe, just maybe, it's because I'm being realistic. I don't have an axe to grind because I'm not hoping for my network to get better ratings in my estimation that better ratings will come of the coast being better. Maybe I don't have an axe to grind uh because uh I want to cheer for SEC players or Pac Ten players. <coughs> I probably got the COVID-19. We're all going to die. But I am quite certain that the Browns are going to be better than you suggest, Tony Grossi. And that is ultimately what all of this has been here to say. Yeah, I get that we have some rookies. Yeah, I get that right now we have some injuries at the starter positions like J.C. Treader and and Greedy Williams and Mac Wilson. I get that. But they're all going to come back healthy. And they're all going to come back with a chip on their shoulder. And they're all going to come back with reasons to cream somebody into submission. And the top of that list, whether or not you like it, is Miles Garrett, who was called the N-word, hit in the groin twice, kicked in the groin twice, and someone tried to yank his helmet off his head in the heat of battle. I think he's going to have a thing or, thing or two to prove, don't you? I do. But we'll see. See you soon, everybody. And go Browns! You've all heard of Peter Piper and how he picked a peck of pickled peppers? Well you should hear what Peter Parker, Peter Pettigrew, and Petey Pumpernickel all did to top him. Peter Parker, Peter Pettigrew, and Petey Pumpernickel all picked up a pint of natural, pickled pink, perfectly pickled peaches, which are pickled for a purpose in their produce section. They're gluten-free, you know.